Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. I I just need to say this this morning because uh, 45 years ago, a new entity was formed called the Holtz. Today is mine and Karen's 45th anniversary today. Honey, would you stand up? Yeah, come on. The people don't, some people don't know you. Yep, what's in a name? You know, she came along, took our name. We, I call it our name, not my name. Our name, and uh, we've been journeying for all these years. And, uh, and we're in the series called What's in a Name as we look at the different uh, names of God in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, how many of you had a nickname when you were growing up? Any of you guys? Yeah, you, some of you probably have some you don't want us to know. Did you? Did you have one? You know, the culture I came out of. Uh, you know, I had all brothers, and so we had nicknames we can't. I can't repeat either for each other. But also in the surfing community back in the '60s, when I back in the ancient age when we rode stones back in that period of time and carved surfboards out of trees, we you know the whole the whole generation that. Uh, that style of hanging out and all, everybody had a nickname. And uh, one of my favorite movies, and any time a pastor mentions a movie, everybody goes, oh, it must be real spiritual. And this is not that, well, I guess it is to me. But you know how that is. Anyway, there's this movie called Big Wednesday. It's the story of uh, surfing in Southern California back in the mid-60s to late-60s, early-70s. And it just, to me, it just nails, even though I grew up on the East Coast, it just nails for me the whole, the way it was. In so many ways, it, I feel like I knew these people, this one and that one. And there are so many nicknames in this movie, like this guy. Let's, let's, let's look at him. Recognize him? Yeah. <laughs> Gary Busey, you know. Well, he was Leroy the Masochist in this movie. That was his nickname because he was a crazy man. And, uh, you know, he would try to get in ovens and like that, bake himself and stuff like this. I mean, just all in, all in good fun. But, uh, and then this guy, uh, this guy's bear in the movie. You know, he's the sage. He's the old surfer who makes the surfboards now and tells the stories. Sounds familiar. And tells the stories and... Uh, and, I mean, he looks like a bear. He, you know, he kind of rules the roost among all the young. And then there's this guy, uh, Robert England. You can barely see him in there, but he's fly. He looks like a fly. And in, in the movie, when you see him moving around, he's kind of flittering about. And then there's this guy. I mean, can you imagine what his job was? The enforcer. I mean, look at him. Doesn't the nickname kind of fit him? Well, you know, back in the 60s, the enforcer was somebody that if somebody was getting a little bit out of hand in the lineup where the surfers were and you needed somebody to come in and say, hey, here's the rules. You had what was called an enforcer. And they had, in this movie, Red Brown is the enforcer. And when he paddles up to somebody, they straighten up. And so all these nicknames are personified in people's characters. And the names of God that are used all through the Old Testament are not just nicknames or cliches they are a part of who he is 
And I know for the last two weeks, you guys have heard some wonderful teaching and preaching, and you've learned about Jehovah, I am. You've learned about Elohim, you know, the the great creator. And uh, and so um, you've learned those aspects of God. Now, how why is it even important to know the names of God? Well, let me tell you, it's important to the devil. Can I tell you that? Over, look at this, over in Genesis 3 and verse 1. This is where the devil is talking to, to Eve, right? Now look how this whole conversation is set up. Now the serpent was made, was more crafty than any of the wild animals of Lord Jehovah God, Elohim. There's his name, Jehovah Elohim, right? And so, full name of God, I am the Lord Jehovah, that relational part like with Moses. I am who I am. I'm self-perpetuating. Uh, I will always, I've always been and I always will be. I am God. And then Elohim, you know, the grand maker, the wonderful maker of it all. Kind of fills in that whole gap of relational God with I am and also that he is the creator of all. He said to the woman, the devil, did God Elohim say? Is something missing there? What's missing? He says, matter of fact, he never uses the name Jehovah in this whole exchange. He says, you know what, Elohim, he doesn't mind the strong creator. He doesn't mind you standing back from creation and looking at it and going, there must be some strong entity behind all of this because most everybody believes that. Well, the devil's cool with that. Stand back and admire all of creation and go, there's a strong creator. It's okay. But what does he leave out? He leaves out Lord, Jehovah. He leaves out the I am of God because minute you plug that name in, it's relational. And the devil does not want you or me or anyone to have a relationship with God. Yes, you can look at him from afar and say he's a grand creator. He's a wonderful, strong creator. But uh, don't let him get close, Eve. Don't let him get close. He's only Elohim, the strong creator. You must not eat. Did he say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God, look what she's done. She's fallen right in line with the conversation. But God, Elohim, strong creator, left out I am, Lord Jehovah, did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it, which he didn't say, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Next. For God, Elohim, devil, leaves out the word Jehovah again, knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, the strong creator, knowing good and evil. The enemy, the devil, does not want you to get close enough to have a relationship with God. He does not mind you having Elohim, strong creator. He doesn't mind you standing at a distance and admiring his work, this wonderful ocean, the people we have, family, friends, art, music. He doesn't mind you standing back, but he does not want you to get close in a relationship. And that's why the names of God are so important because we get to see the character of God. The names of God matter to the devil. They matter to God because it's who he is. And it should matter to us. So that's why we're on this journey. That's why. Because we're not just going to fall into the one aspect of God being the strong creator, Elohim. We want to know him. We want to get closer to him. We want to see who he is. So that's the reason for all of this, this whole series. Today we're going to be looking at Adonai. Can you say that word? 
Adonai. Like 400 times or so uh, in the Old Testament, we, we read this term. Adonai means master. It, it, it pictures a master and a servant relationship. And that he is the owner. He is the sovereign over everything. In the New Testament, the word would be Lord or Kyrios. In the Old Testament, it is Adonai as master, owner, boss, ruler, sovereign. And so every time we see that word used, we get an explanation of what that means to us with that part of God's character. So what I want to do this morning is take some snapshots. I want to look at some snapshots in the Bible that gives us a picture of why Adonai is so important for us to know him as Adonai. I think one of the other uh, preachers on our team mentioned that if you hang around through this series long enough, you're probably going to hear a characteristic of God that you will like or that you will say, I need to know him like that in a deeper way. And that's my prayer as well. And, and, and if you're not a Christian and, and you're like checking things out and maybe your family or friend brought you along and you've been looking at God and you said, yeah, he's a strong creator, but I don't think there's any way to know him, then I'm so glad you're here because Adonai, that name Adonai, uh, tells us not only that he owns it all, but in the word itself is this sense of responsibility that he is responsible over what is his. And so when we say Adonai, when we pray Adonai, when we see Adonai in the scriptures, we see a picture of him as the one who cares for his own. And uh, that deepens the relationship, doesn't it? That's a, that's a lot closer uh, than Elohim, strong creator. So we're making our way and we're learning more about God as Someone said, Doug or somebody said, it was like a facet of a diamond, that God's character is so amazing. We'll never plumb the depths of all that God is, but he gives us enough to stand in admiration as well as run toward him and say, Adonai, I want to know you. And so we're on the road, we're on a snapshot. You've got to fill in in the back of your uh, handout this morning. If you want to track along, you should have got a pen as well. And uh, this keeps me tethered to my notes so I don't stray off in not so brilliant line streams of consciousness at times. And so your first one here is this, Adonai, the first villain. Adonai has the ability and the resources. Because he is the owner, because he is the master, because he is the sovereign, he has the ability to deal in our life in whatever manner needs to be done. He has the power, the ability, and he has the resources to draw from. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple examples. The first one that you have here is Abraham or Abram and Sarah. Abram and Sarah or Sarah or Abraham as he was to be known. In Genesis 15:2, we're reading along and, and they're having a conversation, God and Abraham or Abram. And this comes out of Abraham's mouth. He says, but Abraham said, sovereign, there it is, Adonai, sovereign Lord Jehovah, What can you give me? You see that? He has the resources. And Abraham knows this, so he is calling on Adonai, the one who is the owner of it all, the ruler of it all. What can you give me? And here's what he's saying, since I'm childless. I mean, you could give me all kinds of things, God, but because I want a child... And 10 years earlier in Genesis 12, you promised me that I'd be a great nation. And I haven't seen it yet. It's been 10 years. Any of you guys feel like God's a little slow? 
I mean, it's okay to say that. Abraham was feeling like that. Matter of fact, he took a shortcut. He tried to take a shortcut to God's promises being Adonai. But he didn't put Adonai off. He still did what he said. But see, Abraham said, sovereign, that's Adonai. That's the word Adonai. And then again, in, uh, he says in verse 8, But Abram said, Sovereign, Adonai, Lord, how can I know? This is after he's promised him generations and generations of kids, and now land upon land upon land. He says this, verse 8, But Abraham said, Sovereign, there it is again, Adonai, Lord, Jehovah, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? See what he's, how he's engaging in the conversation, because when we talk with Adonai God, we realize he has the resources and the ability to help us in our situation. Now, some of you in here today, you need Adonai. You need God to come through. You're you're hitting up on something that you're like, I thought God promised me this. I thought that God said this is the way my life would be. It's what I've prayed for. And, And I don't have the resources, obviously, to get there. I'm not capable of doing it. Adonai, this morning, we can call on Adonai, the one who is the ruler, who loves those that are his in their lives. And Abram recognizes this and that's why he uses the term Adonai because you Lord are master you're the master and there's another example of Moses over in Exodus 4 10 many of you know the uh, the story of Moses Uh, he uh, spent a lot of time in the desert and hiding out and and then he's taking a stroll in the desert and he runs into a bush that's burning but it's not consumed and It's God speaking to him. There's that relationship established. And he asks him, he says, Who shall I tell Pharaoh and the Egyptians uh, God is? Who should I tell him sent me? And he says, Tell him I am. There's Jehovah. I am sent you. I am. It's really doubled up in capital letters. I am. I am. (laughs) It's like, you know, I am. I always have been. I always will be. I'm self-perpetuating. This is the most you can comprehend, Moses. Okay? (laughs) This, This is it. I am. And so the fact that he was having a conversation was very personal and relational, wasn't it? And so, but Moses is going, you know what? Uh, I don't think I'm, I don't, I don't think I have the ability to do this. I don't, I'm not a great speaker. And the most I've ever done, you want me to rescue all of Egypt, all of Israel from Egypt? The most I've ever done is like protect one Jewish guy. And then I ran on some shepherds from a girl that I really liked, you know, that was kind of around this well. That's the most I've ever done, God. But now you want me to lead millions, maybe, of people out? I mean, I don't have that ability, God. You ever felt like that? I don't have the ability. I don't have the resources, God, to do this. Adonai, owner, master. Moses calls on him. You do, though. Adonai. You're not just a strong creator, Elohim, but you are Adonai, my master. You love who are yours. You take care of who are yours. And I need it now, God, because I stutter, I don't speak well, and you're calling me to go out and do these things. And the conversation is humorous between him and God. And uh, I hope you have a sense of humor, because there is humor in the Bible. And uh, we always get real stern about the Bible. But, you know, this... You'll see it more as we get into this. But, uh, you know, he has a back and forth till finally God says, okay, I'll give you Aaron. He'll speak, you know, he'll speak through you too, but I'm going to give you the words. I'm speaking to you. You tell Aaron. But if you watch the story, Moses steps up and does a lot of the speaking anyway as he deepens his relationship with Adonai. 
as he knows Adonai has the resources and the ability to give him. And so, you know, the question is, who knows what God can do in our own lives if we make him Adonai, the master of our lives? What can we do? What are you, what would you say I am not equipped to do this morning, but that you feel like you probably should do? but you don't feel like you have the resources or the ability. There's a blank spot in your handout on the back of the page where it says, I am not. (laughs) Why don't you write that down? Why don't you write in there and take it with you, I am not, and give that to Adonai. Just like Moses said, I am not. I'm not equipped. I'm not capable. I don't have the gifting. I'm not. Why don't you write that down and see what God thinks of it? To the one who has the resources. The one who is capable and has the ability. Right after Abraham, I was mentioning him at first. Right after that conversation, God, God uh, creates a covenant between them. Because Adonai, as owner and as the boss and as uh, the head, the master over, over Abraham, he wanted to be in relationship. And so they had a covenant together right after that in fifteen. Your second feeling is this. Adonai is available to help. Adonai, God is Adonai, is available to help. One of my favorite stories, uh, and there are a lot of them I know, but Gideon, I love the story of Gideon. I love the story of Gideon over in Judges 6 because Gideon is like this. When I think of Gideon, I think of this little guy that's just hiding. He is hiding out, right? The Midianites are storming into Israel. They are... Every time they grow a crop, the Midianites ride in on camels, which was totally new to the Israelites. They'd never seen beasts like this before. This is in this era at this time. They were like, whoa, it would be like Star Wars to us. Here come the camels. You know? And the camels would sweep in and they would trample all of their wheat. And, and then the Midianites would grab all the wheat and take their food. And every time they got a crop just up to about where it could sustain some life, the Midianites would roll in, freak them all out. Take all of their, you know, all of the land, all of the, or the food. And, and so Gideon is hiding. That's what the scripture says. He's hiding out in a wine press. Probably a wooden kind of circle, you know, with, used to make wine, but there's no grapes. They don't have that now. They just want some wheat so they can survive, the Jewish people do. So he's got something like a rake or a broom, and he's beating the wheat. To get the husk off the wheat, right? So he can have a little bit of food. And he's hiding from the Midianites. This guy is hiding out. And all of a sudden, God shows up. It says angel and it says Lord. So we think it could be God. We just know God showed up some way there. And he, he looks at Gideon and he goes, in Tim Holt vernacular, how's it going, great warrior? Yeah. You know, and Gideon's like, He's like, who's he talking to? I mean, I'm hiding out in a wine press, beating out some wheat. You're certainly not talking to me. And uh, you're talking to me? And you know that kind of thing. And, and then the angel goes on to tell him, or God goes on to tell him, he says, look, you know, I'm going to use you. God's going to use you to, to free your people. Gideon's like, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the, like the most, I'm nobody. I'm the least in my family. Nobody in my family even respects me. I mean, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. And the journey of Gideon is a journey 
of watching God help him do things he could never do on his own. You know the story, right? 30,000 warriors, 30,000. 30,000 soldiers, Gideon puts them together, and God looks at them. This small guy, Gideon, looks at him and goes, you got too many. Ask how many of them are scared. 20,000. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm scared, I'm scared. They go home. And I love this part in, the, in this whole story where he looked, God looks out and says, this is the way the NIV says it, let me help you thin them out. <laughs> and that's when they've already been cut down by thousands. And then he cuts them down to 300 soldiers from 30,000 to 300. Now, do you think that's really helping Gideon think, man, I can really do this. 30,000 soldiers, now he's down to 300 against the Midianites. But look how Gideon talks to him in Judges 6.13. He says, pardon me, my Lord. Pardon me, my Lord, that's Adonai. But if the Lord, Jehovah, is with us, why does all this happen to us? Now, he's already recognizing God as the owner, God as the boss, Adonai. And I am, the Lord I am is with us. Now, I don't understand what's going on. Have you ever said that? I have. You get disoriented. You're like, God, you know what? I love you. I'm trying to follow you. I'm trying to do everything I know. But right now, why is all this happening? Why is this happening? And then again in the scripture, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me, my Lord, Adonai, master, boss, pardon me, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Alas, sovereign Lord, Adonai, Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Adonai is here. Finally, he realizes the master is right here with him. The master is available right now for what he has called him to. And then he whittles the army down to 300. (laughs) Why? Because Gideon also needed to learn that you can do a lot more with God than you can with less than you can with yourself and a lot. Because God will get the glory when you begin to do things that you can never do without Adonai. Because he is your master. He is the one that cares for you, that supplies you with what you need. He will do great things through you. Most of us back out when we get to that point, don't we? We back out around the, you know, the... When the 20,000, 22,000 or so are gone, we're like, okay, God's got the wrong guy here. You know, and we'll start backing out because our resources are not enough. But Adonai, as master of your life, is enough. And he's available to be with you. Now, David, here's another example. What, a, what an awesome story. King David in the Old Testament King David is settled in his house over in uh, 2 Samuel 7. He's settled into a beautiful cedar home. Uh, There's peace right now. He's settling in and he's starting to think. And he says, you know what? I've got a great house, but God doesn't have a house. I think I'll build God a house. It's not right for God not to have a house. And so Nathan the prophet begins to talk with God. And I love this response. God goes, when did I ever tell you I needed a house? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man I love these conversations 
It's like, you've got the right heart, David. You really do. But you know what? You guys have had, you know, you've been in this tabernacle. I've been following you guys with you all over the desert in a tent and all. But did I ever tell you to build me a house? Did I? And then what does God do? Adonai do? He flips it on David. He says, I'm going to make you great, David. I'm going to do great things in your life. Why? Because of his heart. Because he wanted to do so much for God. Adonai, master, hears the voices of those that love him, that know they're dependent upon him, who want to bless him. He's available to help. Let's read this. 2 Samuel 7, 18 through 29. Sovereign, there it is. In your Bibles, if you, if you, it's like this. When it's capital L-O-R-D, that's Jehovah. And then you'll see words like sovereign, or, and that's Adonai, or sometimes Lord, L-O, little O-R-D, can be Adonai as well. Sovereign Adonai, Master, Lord, Jehovah, I am. You are God. Man, David's getting it, right? You have promised these good things to your servant. He brings good things. Adonai is available for help right now. You know what? Seven times in this passage, David calls God Adonai. Eight times he calls himself a servant. And that is the picture of Adonai with us. He is the master and we are his. And David recognizes that now in this seventh chapter. He goes, you are Adonai. You're the master. You do good things and you're available to help. So we got another blank at the bottom of this one. And I wrote out, now be pleased, because this is what David said, now be pleased to bless my house. Now by house I mean your sphere of influence or your dorm or your house or your apartment or where you work. How would you like Adonai as master to bless your home? If this happened to you with David and you're, trying, you're doing all you can to bless God and use all you have to bless him and then he looks at you and goes, you know what, I'm going to bless you. I see your heart here. So I'm going to bless your home. What would you ask for? Write it down. Put it in there. Write it down. I want peace for my home because there's not been much peace there. I want some quietness in my dorm so I can study. <laughs> you know? I want to be able to remember things. I, I want better neighbors. I want for my home. I want a new roommate. I want... A spouse. What do you want for your home? You want more grandchildren coming by. What do you want? Adonai, as master, gives good things. And he's available to give good things. Thirdly, Adonai is trustworthy. Adonai is trustworthy. Because there's always lag, almost always lag time in how God does things with us, we, we get a little distrustful, don't we? We start going, I don't know if God can be trusted or not with this. I just don't know. And uh, when we look to God as Adonai, we look to him as the master who cares for us. He cares for those that are his. That's in the name. And so we call on Adonai. He is trustworthy. Jeremiah, a young man, uh, probably as young as 12 or 13 when God called him. Can you imagine that in this day and time? I mean, in that day and time, 13, 14 years old, God comes to him and says to him, you know what? 
I've known you since before you were created in your mother's womb, and I have called you since before there was any form or substance to you. I had a plan for your life way before you ever existed. And now you're here. You're a young teenager. And now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what you're going to do for me. And Jeremiah responds. Look at this in Jeremiah 1, 6 through 10. Jeremiah says, Alas, sovereign, here it is, Adonai, I recognize you as master. Lord, I am. I do not know how to speak. I am too young. It's amazing how often that shows up, isn't it, with Moses and Jeremiah. I don't have the ability to do what you're calling me to do. I'm too young, and I don't know how to talk to people. How am I going to prophesy? How am I going to get them to understand? And he calls on Adonai. And again, he says, alas, uh, I'm too young. I can't speak. And Adonai comes to him and says, do not say you are too young. Who in here thinks you're too young? Don't say it. Do not say I am too young. Because the minute you say that, God goes, I'll show you. (laughs) I'll show you you're not because I'm Adonai. I'm your master. I care for my creation. I care for those that are a part of my responsibility. Don't say you're too young. Don't say you're too old. Moses. Man, Moses, they would have put him in a nursing home a long time ago, you know. Long time ago. Moses was just getting going at 80 years old. Just getting going. And I mean, don't say I'm too old for God to speak and God to use me. Don't say that because the minute you limit yourself, you just release God. When you're too young, God is awesome. (laughs) You get this? When you think you are too young and you don't have the abilities, God is trustworthy to step in and do whatever he's called you to do. As you submit to the master, as you say, come, Lord, come do it. Don't say, I'm too young. He says, you are to say everything to everybody I tell you. (laughs) What a a directive to a 13-year-old. You're to say everything I say to everybody I tell you to. And let me tell you, if you read Jeremiah, his words were not little. Would you guys please straighten up? It wasn't like that. You know, it was coming in and it was tough. Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. That's what he was called. He was called to a very tough life. But God was with him. And God says to him, you know, I'll give you my presence. I'll rescue you, Jeremiah. And then he touches Jeremiah because this is a relationship with Adonai. Touches his lips and says, you're going to speak for me. My words are going to be your mouth, be in your mouth. When you don't trust yourself, your own resources, Adonai is trustworthy. And then there's the best example of all, and that is Jesus, there, of being trustworthy. Jesus tells us over in John 12, 44 through 46, if you trust me, you're trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. Kyrios. That's the word, same similar word in the Old Testament, Adonai, as in the New Testament, Kyrios. When you trust Christ, you're trusting God, Adonai. When Jesus called his disciples and said, you are to go, you are to go and tell the good news, tell the good news that I've come to redeem my creation, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. You can trust that. You can step out on that. Step in to what God has for you 
What are you not trusting Jesus with? What are you not trusting Adonai with this morning? Your owner, your master. What haven't you let go of? What don't you trust him to handle in your life? Have you not trusted him with your life yet? Has it been that Elohim has been your relationship with God? You stand back in amazement at creation and you go, he's the strong creator, but I haven't stepped into the relationship with God as Adonai, as Kyrios. I haven't done that. Is, is this the day when you trust Christ, when you say yes, when you step up and you go, oh, Adonai, my master, my Lord, as Jesus tells all those parables and those stories about him being the master and the Lord, him being the Adonai now for us because he has reclaimed us and redeemed us back to himself. What haven't you trusted God with? Can you write that? Then I trust Jesus too because that's a part of the relationship with Adonai and with Kyrios. I trust Jesus with this. I trust Jesus to do this. I put a quote that came out of one of the commentaries when I was studying this at the bottom of your notes there. It says, God must have the right to own you if he is going to take the responsibility to do something with you. No owner on earth would invest in something that he can't legitimately access or claim ownership to. And God usually won't either. So this could be your day. Your day to trust in Adonai, in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Holy Spirit, would you come... Come, Lord. Adonai, Master, Savior, Owner. A great response to the Master is just simply this. Yes, sir. (laughs) Yes, sir. I trust you. I'm going to ask those of you who have been in this distant relationship with God as you looked at God and thought yeah he's a strong creator Elohim but you know that Adonai now has come and he's calling you to release your life to him to the master so that he can do all that he has planned for you for you to begin your walk with Christ as Kyrios as Lord today I'm going to ask you to be very bold very bold this morning and to stand and to say to him yes God yes sir I trust you with my life if you've been at a distance with God then I'm going to ask you to be so bold you won't be standing alone you won't be standing alone thank you vineyard people remember nobody stands alone so somebody get up and get to get to our, our friends our brothers and sisters here that's right that's right Holy Spirit, continue to come.
need you to come. You know, it's easy to stand in here. It may feel awkward to stand. But it's much easier to stand here today and to say, yes, I'm beginning my life than it is to stand out there. And so it's a good place to stand with people that love you and support you and are walking this thing out with you together. And so I, I would ask you, indeed, if you feel God's this compulsion to stand to respond to Adonai, to Savior, to stand this morning, and we want to pray with you. Come on. Come, Jesus. Secondly, how many of us are holding tight onto something because we feel like we just we're fighting it out, realizing not 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 realizing or not accepting that God is very near and has the resources and the ability to help us, but we have not trusted him with that. Do you have something in your hands this morning you need to release to him? If you do, would you just kind of wave at me and say, that's me. I got something in my hands. I know I need to let it, let the owner have it. I need to let the master have it. Yes, okay, I want you guys to stand too. Take this, take from where you're sitting, take it in your hands and stand with it to give it. That's right, and give it to the master. Give it to him. Say, here it is. Here it is. Master, Savior, owner, Adonai. I call on your name Adonai this morning. Lord, Adonai, Jehovah, come. Come. I give you this. You're able. You're capable. You're trustworthy. And I give this to you. Thank you, Father. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.